Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. Welcome to the show, listeners. I'm Jake Heller. In episode number one, we interview Ryan Spanger, who is the director and founder of Dream Engine which is a video production company based in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, They produce documentary-style videos for the corporate world. Uh, In this episode, we discuss a whole heap of things, including how you can incorporate video into your message, choosing the right style and the production type for your needs, improving the branding of your videos, how you can improve your lighting by being a little bit strategic about it, and of course, using the highest quality sound. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome, welcome, Ryan. Thanks very much for uh, coming coming on this call. Thanks, Jake. Good to, good to be here. Fantastic. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background and, and what you do? I come from a filmmaking background. So my interest originally was mainly in documentary making. I went to film school about 13 years ago and then started making documentaries after that and worked as an editor mainly in surf videos. Within a few years, I got a lot of freelance work and after that set up my own video production company. And as time went on, I started to make more corporate videos and promotional videos. As the web rose and became more dominant, more and more of that video was was for for the internet. Right. Okay. So so now you're essentially producing videos mainly for the for the net. Who is your typical customer? I mainly work with medium to large businesses, so medium to large corporates, government departments, and the non-profit sector. So it tends to be larger organisations. Although I do occasionally work with small businesses as well. Sure. Now, the, the, the style of uh, videos, are you generally producing for them typically like a sales or a product video or is it more sort of the, the new style consistent video type of thing? So we do a whole range of videos from promotional corporate type videos to education and training videos. It may be internal training for staff. It might be sort of external uh, training educational package. And now more and more often, short two to three minute web video clips for their website, as well as YouTube and Facebook. And a lot of our videos are in a documentary style. And what I mean by that is interview style, working with real people rather than actors. Yeah, that I certainly see from from the stuff that we do is it's that engagement with 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 your target audience is is becoming more important. And I guess being able to to show your personality through video it helps to engage and increases retention with with your target customers. I think so. I think people really want to know who they're working with and get a sense of the people behind the organisation. The other positive is that. From a cost point of view, you're working with people within the organization rather than hiring actors. And unless you're working with very good actors who are very expensive, it's much more cost effective to you know, work with real people who there isn't that additional cost there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there's a bit of a trend at the moment where people are tending to just say, go and grab your iPhone or go and grab your little your Flip HD camera and just start recording. 
Now, it's certainly, it's it's fantastic for those who don't have a lot of technical experience, but the, and, and the quality they produce is quite good. What I'd like to get from you today is your opinion on this style of recording and maybe focus, give us some pointers about how we can actually improve that for, for, for producing better web video. Okay, sure. Well, we're still in the really early stages of this incredible revolution where the means of production are available to everyone. So cost is no impediment. You know, even when I started working in video production 15 years ago, there was this barrier to entry where if you wanted to shoot video, you had to make a pretty decent size investment. And now that's no longer a barrier. Anyone can do it. And so it's really incredibly exciting and liberating. And you've got these distribution channels like YouTube that everyone can use for free to get your message out there. So at the moment, there's this popular idea that it's great just to get out there, use whatever is available, capture your story, put it out there. Don't worry too much about the technical side. It's all about the content. And while that is true, it's also really important to look at the technical side as well. So for instance, if you apply that logic to websites, it would be don't worry too much about what your site looks like, just get some content out there. Or that same theory to graphic design would be oh, don't worry about um, bringing in a graphic designer, just you know, we'll come up with, we'll throw together a logo and put that out there. And the risk is damaging your you know, your branding and, and your image by not spending enough time looking at that technical side. So I think the future of video production, starting off from this early stage, is people starting to master some more of the technical side of things. And there's a good reason for that. When, you know, the more polished and professional your product looks, the more people are, are going to enjoy it and the more engaged they're going to be with the content. Absolutely. I certainly know just from my perspective, producing the amount of video we do, branding is very important. While there are so many experts out there saying, don't worry about your brand, just get content out to your audience. I tend to disagree a little bit because we're trying to project a certain image and that's sort of at, at a certain level. So we need our videos to look like that. So I tend to agree with you there that any any steps we can take to improve the quality without adding too many levels of complexity are only going to be of benefit. Yeah, and a lot of the things that you can do actually are pretty simple, and those are some things we can talk about today. Fantastic, that's great. Well, why don't we why don't we kick off with a little bit about lighting? I guess I've, I understand that's probably the most important aspect. What tips or what can you suggest our listeners do to uh, to improve the the lighting in their videos? Lighting is really important and I should also mention that actually in my opinion sound is even more important than lighting because if you have good sound at least people can follow on with what you're saying whereas if your sound is bad people are just going to switch off so lighting is is absolutely vital but sometimes people will spend too much attention and money on getting a great camera and maybe some lighting but they'll they'll neglect sound so we'll we'll get to sure. sound but starting off with with lighting it's the first step when you're making a video is to actually tune in to the environment around you and start to notice where the light is coming from, what is the quality of that light and how you can best work with it. Because the way that our eyes work is they actually sort of adjust for the imperfections of lighting. So we won't, when you're looking at someone and you're sitting in an office, there's down lights shining down on them, you probably won't sort of notice that much that they've got 
shadows under their eyes or there's shadows in the room that are making things look dark. Our eyes will almost correct those imperfections. But yes. What we need to do is start to see the way that the camera sees. So start to see where the shadows are, where reflections are, uh, what sort of um, color of, of light you're getting and, and, and tune into that. So in terms of lighting a person, it's important to think about this idea of hard versus soft lights or direct versus indirect lights. The types of lighting that people will generally tend to use are um, something called a soft box, which is a sort of soft box around the lighting, which softens the light, or something like LED lights or fluoro lights. And they're the most flattering lights to work with because they'll create sure. a soft, even light, as opposed to direct lights which shine directly onto people. I've heard people talk about using things like cheap work lights from Bunnings and things like that which are going to create quite harsh shadows and they're going to be too bright. So if you are regularly filming interviews or face-to-camera videos, something like a softbox fluoro light or LED lights are a perfect place to start. Right, fantastic. Now, just on that, what, what's the purpose? Are we trying to recreate sort of nature in terms of what our eyes naturally see? That's right. I mean, it's important to make people look flattering, basically, when, when they're on video. You want them to look attractive and you don't want to distract from what they're saying by poor quality video. So part of what when you say recreate nature that that's true what we're doing is working with a two-dimensional image and trying to make it look three-dimensional so part of that is separating the person that's being filmed from their background and adding depth to the picture fantastic okay excellent well did you are there any aspects of lighting that you think are important it's important to First decide if you're just going to work with natural light or you're going to um, bring in additional lighting. So for people who are filming outside, on a sunny day, you're probably going to get a better result if you move into the shade, like under a tree or something like that. If you have direct light going straight onto people's face, you're going to have some quite harsh shadows. So that's something that you definitely want to avoid. So that's, that's lighting for outside. Yep. Another thing that's worth looking at is something that we call backlight. So when people um, first start filming, they might think that they need to have the sun directly in front of them in order to light their face. But if the sun is actually behind them, what it'll do is, is create a backlight or a sort of halo effect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that will actually separate the person from the background. Okay. So, yep, go ahead. Yeah. Now, one thing I found with lighting outside in, particularly in shade, is when the background is relatively light and bright, it tends to really, I guess, almost wash out the wash out the screen. How can you how can you stop that? Well, there's a couple of ways, and you're absolutely right because you're either exposing for your subject or you're exposing for the background. So, ideally, you want to get your subject lit with the correct exposure. But with a background that doesn't vary so much from the exposure of, of your subject. So if you find that your background is getting blown out, you might want to look at using a different background. So turning somewhere where, say, rather than seeing lots of sky, which is going to be really bright, you may have trees or buildings or something like that, which are at a similar sort of exposure level. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. 
Okay. So what about filming indoors? Okay, so filming indoors, it's important to think about are, if you're filming during the day, are you using light from outside, natural light, or are you controlling the light yourself? You can, if you are getting, if you do have, say, some nice big windows and you're getting some soft natural light coming in, that can end up really, that, you know, looking really great. The one downside is that you're not in control of the light. So if it's a day where there's lots of clouds passing over the sun and so you're getting some really sunny patches and then it gets cloudy, your lighting's going to look really variable. So what I like to do as much as possible is control the environment and control the lighting. So normally what I would do when I'm filming inside is actually close the blinds and set up lights because that way I'm not going to be affected by as much by the change of lighting outside. Yeah, absolutely. If it's if it's a day where it looks like the lighting's going to be pretty stable, then you can work with the outside light. And ideally, so if you're in Australia, in the southern hemisphere, getting light from a window in the south is probably going to be the most soft and unaffected you know, by change because the sun is, is rising in the east, going across to the north and then setting in, in the west. So obviously, if you're facing west and as the afternoon comes in that light's going to be shining in to the window so it's important to sort of get orientated and think where is the sun you know, where is it going to be in an hour what effect is it going to have on my lighting so you know you make that decision between using either natural outdoor light or setting up your own lights so in terms of of setting up your own lights the most classic form of lighting is what they call three-point lighting where yep. As you're facing the camera, there will be one light at 45 degrees to your left, one light at 45 degrees to your right, and one light behind you and just slightly off to the side so it's out of the shot. Right. And that is just going to give you your most classic sort of form of lighting. Now, with the two lights in front of you, one is called the key light, which is your main light, and one is yep. called the fill light. So generally, your key light would just be slightly brighter than your fill light. So you would either turn that light up brighter or you would move that light slightly closer. And the effect that that's going to have is it's going to make one side of your face slightly lighter and the other side slightly darker. What that's going to do is add depth to the image. Yes. So if you lit equally well on both sides, you're going to get a fairly flat sort of effect. But by making one side slightly brighter, it's more of a sort of shaping, contouring effect that's going to look a little bit more flattering and, and add a little bit more depth. The third light, which is the backlight, is going to separate you from the background. So it's just going to add a little bit of brightness on your shoulders and behind your head, give that slight halo effect and make it so that you're not blending into the background but you're actually sort of it's going to make you stand out a little bit more and that's sort of the most classic lighting setup sure okay and and in terms of positioning of these lights are, are you usually going to position them low facing up towards you or, or, or coming down on you or at eye level what's what's the best method it's normally better to have them slightly above you so that's going to create a slight shadow underneath your chin and generally that's going to be a little bit more flattering you know for most people it's going to make them look a little bit better and kind of disguise that double chin effect so normally just slightly above eye level is going to work best now with the backlight you can have that one slightly higher so the light is actually falling on your shoulders and it's also going to light up the top of your head a little top of your head yeah. 
Okay, fantastic. All right, well, let's let's move on now. I think I'd like to cover sound and then maybe just to get some ideas from you in terms of shooting video and how you can best frame people. So let's focus on sound. What do you see is the best methods to get quality sound without spending a huge amount of money? Okay, so in terms of, you know, cameras these days, just about any new camera can give you great results. The most important thing that you need to do with your sound is to make sure that you're not recording through the on-camera microphone. So the rule is get the microphone as close to the source of sound as possible. And this is going to be the number one thing that's going to distinguish an amateur video you know, from a more professional looking video is people using the on-camera microphone rather than an external microphone. So when I say external microphone, for a face-to-camera video, typically that's going to be a lapel microphone, yep. which is like the sort of little microphone that you'll see news readers or reporters use on TV, a little clip that'll attach uh, to your shirt or to your jacket. So what this is going to do, by getting the microphone in really close to the source of sound, it means that that's the sound that it's concentrating on and all of your background sound is going to be diminished. In the same way as our eyes sort of compensate for you know, bad images and shadows and that sort of thing, our ears are actually doing the same thing. And unconsciously, we're filtering, we're filtering out all of the noise around us that's competing for our attention. So if the listener just pauses for a moment and tunes into the room around them, they might start to notice all sorts of noises that they weren't aware of before, maybe the buzzing of a computer or a light, traffic noise outside, the wind blowing, uh, leaves rustling, uh, dog barking, all of these sort of sounds that we naturally filter out will come through when you record. And so by getting that microphone in as close as possible, you're diminishing the effect of all those competing sounds. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We've got a, a, a very noisy air conditioning unit in our offices here and they're the worst thing to record with. I generally switch the, switch the unit off. We share our unit with some other tenants in our building and whenever I switch the unit off, it actually resets the thermostat. And so probably once a week, I get them coming in saying it's too cold or it's too hot. And I've used every excuse under the sun trying to trying to move the blame off, off the fact that I'm switching the unit up when I record. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're making a film here. So, But it's those, those little things can be an added hassle to have to deal with. But all those little 1% things are going to make a difference between making your video a lot more professional. So... The, f- the first thing that you can do is use an external microphone like a lapel microphone and just as important is, is choosing an area where there's good sound to begin with. So if you're filming in an office and you've got one room which faces onto the street and the other room is um, at the back of the building, you may well fa- find that you're already eliminating a lot of competing sound by just filming away from the street. So, you know, little things like that, or let's say you're filming at an event, you want to um, record an interview with someone, move out of the main room where lots of people are and go and find a, a quieter spot. Your sound is going to be a lot better. It's going to be so much easier for people to tune into what you're saying and more enjoyable for them. They're more likely to stay with you on the journey and, and get a lot more out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've found that while there are certain things you can do post-shot to improve the sound, 
we're trying to remove these background noises can can make the entire file sound really tinny. So I found that just getting the best quality audio initially improves improves the output at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. You know, in filmmaking, there's this sort of a, a term that's a bit of a joke where people will say, we'll fix it in post, which means we'll fix it in editing. And once you've created an imperfection in your filming, you can never really fix it. So these programs that reduce noise, they're basically just isolating one frequency of sound and removing that. The thing is that you're removing all these other parts as well. If you are a sound expert, you can do some pretty cool things, but it's also time, time or money, you know, where if you can avoid those things in the first place, you're just going to save yourself a lot of hassle, time and money by, by getting it right the first time. Yep, absolutely. So I assume, just recapping that, if I guess if you can isolate a lot of noise or as much noise as possible and reduce the amount of hum in the background, then the end result is going to be that for the vast majority of your viewers, if they're viewing it on the web through external speakers, then they're probably not going to hear that hum because they're not going to have it up loud enough. I guess the, the problem becomes when you put a set of headphones in and you just get that constant hum in the background. Yeah, you, you notice it a lot more. That's right. That's right. But yeah, basically, just to summarize with sound, it's about choosing a space that's not too noisy, filming with something like a lapel microphone that's going to be getting in uh, nice and close, and really just those two steps are going to make a huge difference to the quality of your audio. Okay. And lapel mics, what's a, how much are you speaking about in terms of cost to get a, a, a lapel mic which is going to improve the sound? It can really vary, but I think that you can get a pretty reasonable entry-level lapel microphone for, you know, 100 to $150 or something like that. Uh, I think a semi-professional sort of microphone might be a few hundred dollars and, and then a few hundred dollars more for a, a fully professional video microphone. But even just starting off with one of those $100 lapel microphones will transform your sound if before you were using the on-camera microphone. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. All right, Ryan. What about what about shooting? Shooting your your. Let's say, I guess the majority of our listeners are going to be doing a little bit of on camera work, face to camera work. So I'd love to get some tips on on actually improving the shots for shooting people on camera. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. A common mistake that I see is people making mistakes with framing and. When I, when I say framing, I just mean what they choose to put in their shot and leaving too much headroom. And headroom is the space between the top of your head and the top of the frame. So they'll frame it up so that the person's face is in the middle of the shot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it just doesn't look, it doesn't look right. The person actually looks, it, it actually sort of psychologically diminishes their authority in the frame with having them kind of right down there and then the top of the frame a lot of this empty, dead sort of space. It's interesting if you look at art, you know, or look at photography, you'll notice that typically people, when they're either painting or photographing people, they'll, they'll tend to have a classic sort of way of doing it where uh, a good rule of thumb is to frame it up so that the person who you're filming, their eyes are at about the top third level of the frame. So if you break the frame up into parallel lines and break it up into thirds if you can see that line at the top third if their eyes are around about that spot 
that's going to be the right framing. And for whatever reason, whether we're kind of um, hardwired like this, it's just a more visually and psychologically pleasing way of framing someone up. So you want to leave a little bit of headroom between the head and the top of the frame, but not so much, not, not so little that they kind of look squashed against the frame because then kind of psychologically it, it looks like they're almost being sort of squashed down or something like that. So that's probably the first place to start is to, is to think about where the eyes are sitting in, in the frame and what your framing looks like. The next thing is to think about how close the camera comes in. So with these face-to-camera videos, it's best to look at the way that people are filmed in news and current affairs shows and yep. pretty much replicate that far away. So generally, if you're more interested in capturing people's emotions, you'll come in really close and you'll be able to discern more emotion on their face, whether it's you know through their eyes or their expression. And if you have the camera set up further away it's the shot is far less about emotion and it's about the person in the context of their environment so part of um, your framing is actually your storytelling and rather than just plonk the camera down on a tripod and, and go for it think about what's in your background and how is it helping to tell your story so i noticed with one of your videos jake you've got a large map in the background yes yeah. now that's part of telling your your story because as a travel agent that that directly relates to what you're talking about so it's 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 congruent yep if you if you're filming and there's some object in the background that might have some personal sentimental kind of connection with you but viewers won't know what it's all about it's it's going to be distracting and it's going to sort of create this incongruence between what you're talking about and what people are seeing in the background so think consciously about what's in your frame and choose something that's going to help propel the story and you know propel what what you're actually talking about let's say you're a real estate agent and you're making a piece to camera video hey you might be talking about a house and then if you actually put yourself in front of that house in a wider sort of frame there's going to be a lot more more context there whereas if the camera zoomed right in on your on your face it's really all about you and your emotions which might sort of be inappropriate and, and create that incongruence yep absolutely so for for those of us who obviously want to shoot a bit of video but may not necessarily be fantastic storytellers we can actually improve the quality just by being very aware of of our surroundings and as you say with a face, a close-up of me, it puts a lot more uh, emphasis on what I'm actually saying. And I generally tend to mumble along and there's a lot of ums and ahs. So by stepping back a little bit, I could actually take the focus off me and a little bit about the story that we're projecting. Yeah, particularly if part of what you want to do is give people an insight into you and your other staff there and where you work, then with a slightly wider shot, they're seeing the office and they're getting a sense of even you know how you work, the culture of the place, the design, how clean it is, all that sort of stuff, which is actually giving them useful information in terms of their you know decision making process. Yep, yep. You see it a lot in lately. We see a lot in in betting ads and in also finance cuts during a news bulletin. They're always sitting in front of their office and you see everybody's busy in the background. I guess that's a creating, creating a story. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's right. Or maybe say for a finance one, you've got all these screens in the background. And so yes. psychologically the viewer's going, ah, oh, they tuned into the, you know, into the markets and 
you know, it's it's sort of on one level it's all for show, but yeah. it's it's congruent and it, and it helps to propel the story. And one other thing that's worth mentioning here is the classic mistake people make is they'll have something in the background that they won't be aware of, but when they cut their video together, they'll think it looks like something sticking out of my head. So it might be a picture frame, which is a square, but it looks like once the video sort of flattens the image, it looks like there's actually something protruding from their head. It, you know, it might be a, a tree or something like that. So keep a lookout for that one. It's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other tips? Or That basically covers lighting, sound, and, and composition. In conclusion, I think it's important if you're making videos to focus on what video does best, which as the name implies, it's a visual medium. So try to maximize the fact that it's, that it's visual. There's a sort of derisive term that people talk about in filmmaking, which is radio with pictures which basically means it's all focused on, on the voice and someone's slotted some pictures in there, but really you didn't really need them anyway. So if you're not using the fact that it's a visual medium, why make video? Rather, you know, use audio instead. If you are making a video, make the most of the fact that you're working with images. So think about your background, think about images that you can cut in that can give more information about the subject that you're talking about and really focus on making those those visuals look as great as possible. Sure, absolutely. I guess I just want to touch on one other point and it's it's a point which I've found has created a lot of engagement in, in the videos that I do and it's focusing a bit about what you've been stalk, talking about and it's that authenticity. Initially, I started in a new style and being very, trying to, I guess, replicate a, a news bulletin. And I found it incredibly hard to do because I'm not trained. As, as I added more personality, I, I got more engagement. Would you recommend this is something that our listeners should focus on as well? It's really important to just be yourself in front of the camera. Often, when I first start working with clients in front of the camera, they don't realize how hard it is to present. And they don't realize that presenters have just spent years honing their craft and doing presenting courses and acting classes, practicing in front of the camera. You know, it's such a difficult skill to master. So if you're gonna try and copy what they do, you're just gonna end up looking second best. But if you can be yourself and you are talking about a subject that you're quite passionate about, it's going to help so much. Just the fact that you're energetic, you're excited about what you're talking about, and you're using it as an opportunity to show people a little bit about who you are, to reveal your personality, to show who, you know, the, these are opportunities to not only share news with people, but also to increase your connection with them. And they'll just get a much better sense of the person that, that they're working with. So yeah, you know, be yourself. That's what's people are used to now with with YouTube you know people aren't in the main looking for contrived performances and something that has to look slick and and professional like a, a TV news presenter they'd much rather be your, they'd much rather you just be yourself it's going to be a lot more engaging and, and enjoyable for them yeah absolutely we're, we're essentially all we're trying to do is engage with our customers and the, the the ideal way to do that is a one-on-one -on -one situation, but video I've found is a, a one-to-many, but it gives you the, the, the biggest opportunity to to make it as much about 
just the one person that on the other side of the camera as possible. So that's that's the real challenge. Is that what you try to do with your videos, where you're looking at the camera but you're imagining you're speaking to one person? No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And changing the terminology from "thank you all for tuning in" to "thank you very much for tuning in," and you may. Uh, this might be a great travel tip for you. Here's a great airfare for you. I found it's very important to just just focus in on that one person. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like your videos are quite conversational so that rather than scripting everything and you know trying to learn it or read it off an auto cue, it's probably going to work better if you work from key points and you can inject a little bit of conversation. It's going to come across as a lot more natural. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And of course, it's a, as a general rule, I'm not a very scripted person. So that is just part of, that's part of me, who I am. So yeah. anything else that, that I try to achieve by not doing that would just be, would, would in, I guess, inject a little bit of impersonality into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's an ongoing process. So I imagine it would be the same with you where you would film something, you'd put it out there, look at it, and do a bit of an evaluation for yourself and go, what am I happy with? What do I think I can improve next time? And each time, just try and refine one element that you've noticed you you can improve. So the chances are for people who've never done a video before, the first one they'll do, they'll look at it and go, oh, I hate that. I, you know, I look awkward or I feel uncomfortable. But it does involve some persistence and it just involves an ongoing process of evaluating what you've come up with and improving a little bit each time and enjoying yeah, it. Ab- absolutely. And I think that that's a, that's probably a key point as well is that uh, it, uh, you are a very harsh critic of yourself yeah. and generally others won't be as harsh on you as you are on yourself. So the, the very act of publishing, even if you're not happy with it, allows you to start creating or, or allows you to continue building that 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 relationship with with your customers or, or with your target audience and yeah just just a slow incremental refinements will will improve it over time but people will grow with you as you do absolutely well that's fantastic ryan thanks very much for coming on i've uh, really appreciate it I've, I've learned a lot personally and i hope uh, you in the audience will also pick up something from this as well where can people find you If you want to check out the work that I do, go over to www.dreamengine.com.au, which is my video production website. If you're interested in checking out my my podcast, go over to iTunes and check out the Web Video Marketing Show. Yeah, fantastic. I've listened to the first few episodes and it's incredible information. So I, I recommend everybody listening to to go and check that out. I'll pop a link in the in the show notes below the, directly to both the podcast and to Ryan's website. But apart from that, thank you very much, Ryan, and I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jake. I enjoyed it. Wow, what an episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Ryan's full of knowledge. He's got a lot of experience and hopefully you've been able to take something from that and you'll be able to implement it in your own videos. If you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please head across to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Now, these are really important for us to ensure that we're getting nice high ratings and we can continue bringing you episodes just like this in the future. That's all this week. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, We'll speak to you again next week. Until then, enjoy. 